SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yama, and welcome to NITV Radio. Coming up in your program this Monday, August 21, well, we'll look at uh, how Qantas has formally declared its support for an Indigenous voice to Parliament and reaffirmed its commitment to fly the Uluru Dialogue team around the country and help spread the message to regional and remote areas. On NITV Radio today, we also feature a conversation with uh, Francis Rings, Bangara Dance Theatre's Artistic Director, reflecting on uh, Yoldea, her inaugural work, in her new role as Artistic Director for Bangara Dance Theatre Company, as the performance performance continues its journey across the country and prepares its much-anticipated arrival in Nam. Also in the program today, we have an interview of Chris Griffiths, a performer and cultural advisor of Journey Down, an animated and vibrant celebration of dance, song, projections and otherworldly sounds coming together to transform an old car wreck into a traveling canvas of story and culture. All these stories and more coming to you on NITV Radio after the latest news. Patron Tungandami Ngaya, I am Patron Tungandami. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, the WA Liberals launch an campaign on the Indigenous voice to Parliament. The federal government makes a significant announcement to boost defence capabilities. And the opposition leader slams the Labour Party's announcement it will consider appointing a union representative to the Reserve Bank Board. The federal opposition spokesperson for Indigenous Affairs, Jacinta Nampinjimpa Price, has accused the federal government of causing division among the nation for its own political gain. Senator Price gave a speech during a no-campaign rally in Western Australia for the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. The no-campaign rally was organised by the Western Australian Liberal Party. Senator Price says the Australians should no longer feel ashamed to ashamed to disagree with the question imposed by the referendum. People sitting around their barbecues, you know, not sure if their mate is going to agree with the fact that I'm done with this sort of business. I'm done with being pushed into a corner and told that I should be ashamed of who I am because of our country's history. Enough is enough. Also addressing Liberal Party supporters, Senator Price said she believes the voice will not achieve good outcomes. 
I really want to thank the Western Australian Liberals for the stance that they have taken to ensure that we're not going to damage our constitution and therefore damage our nation uh, through this through this referendum, which is the most divisive referendum that our country has had to um, endure so far. The junior party for the Liberals in the state, the WN Nationals, announced in November last year that they would be backing the Yes campaign. Prime Minister Rene Albanese told Sky News he's aware that the track record of referendum votes in this country doesn't favour the Yes side, but he says the issue is too important not to put to the people. We want to give Australians the opportunity to vote on this. This is something that was promised Indigenous recognition that it would be advanced under John Howard. We've been through successive governments, we've been through uh, a decade of consultation. The Uluru Statement was way back in 2017 and if not now, when? In the meantime, Labour's leadership has delivered impassioned pleas to party faithful to get out and campaign for a successful referendum on The Voice with a simple message, it's time. Leaning on the slogan of Labour giant Gough Whitlam, Indigenous Australians Minister Linda Burney has issued a call to arms for rank-and-file members to get out into the community and campaign for a constitutionally enshrined Indigenous voice. Delegates. I can't win this on my own. We must do it together. Minister for in- the Minister for in- Defence Industry, Pat Conroy, has announced the federal government will make multi-billion dollar purchases to boost the capabilities of the Royal Navy, the Royal Australian Air Force and the Australian Army. Australia will buy 220 Tomahawk cruise missiles for its Navy from the U.S. at the cost of $1.3 billion and spend an additional $480 million on anti-radar missiles and spike anti-tank missiles. The purchase comes after the Defense Strategic Review, which recommended the Defense Force develop the ability to strike targets at longer range to deal with the growing threats in the Indo-Pacific region. Mr. Conroy says the investment will help Australia deter any possible aggressors from attacking. The government's made no secret that we live in the missile age. You just have to look at what's occurring in Ukraine right now to understand that modern conflict is dominated by the power of missiles. And that's why today's announcements are so significant. Today I'm announcing significant upgrade to the capabilities of uh, our missile capabilities for all three services. The Department of Defence has also awarded an $8.4 million contract to design Australia's nuclear regulator to consulting firm Ernest & Young. The contract comes as concerns about the government's over-reliance on the external big four consulting firms grows. Green's defence spokesperson David Showbridge has called the new EY contract unbelievable and says the firm has deep ties to the nuclear industry, which could present a conflict of interest. The opposition leader, Peter Dutton, has criticised a formal a proposal from the Construction, Forestry, Maritime, Mining and Energy Union to install one of its members to the Reserve Bank's Monetary Policy Board.
The proposal was pushed, was pushed by the union during Labour's national conference in Brisbane over the weekend, which the government agreed to consider. Mr. Dutton told to GB Radio a union official being part of the board would threaten the RBA's independence and drive up inflation. The, the prices are inflated because of the CFMEU and having them involved uh, in one of the, the central economic policies in our country, I, I think, frankly, it says that this government's gone off the rails very quickly. And the Business Council of Australia has released a report outlining a series of policy shifts it believes would drive productivity growth and help the nation seize its economic future. It suggests lifelong learning incentives and bringing more women into the workforce could drive productivity and leave Australians substantially better off. If implemented, the council expects the package of reforms to leave every Australian $7,000 better off after a decade. Business Council Chief Executive Jennifer Westercott told Sky News we need a coordinated approach to strengthen Australia's economic resilience. The future burden on Australians is going to be spiralling debt that someone has to pay off. We're saying we need to get our fiscal house in order and we need to make sure that when we're spending money on important services like health, aged care, that we're getting better value for money for people using it, uh, using digital, personalisation of services, modernising some of these services. That is going to protect future generations. But also we need to look at the tax system to say, how do we really incentivise people? Commissioner of the Royal Commission into Defence and Veteran Suicide, Nick Caldas, says the inquiry is a once-in-a-lifetime chance for departments and organisations to speak up. Mr Caldas says the same problems are continuing and nothing has changed from pre- from previous inquiries. It comes as the Albanese government recently refused a request for a further one-year extension after it cited significant delays getting information from the Defence Force. Mr Caldas says the Royal Commission have moved on from the rejection has moved on from the rejection. We had a view that we could probably do more if we had an extension. But that wasn't to be, and that's fine. We're very confident we'll get the job done, uh, and we are very confident that the recommendations and findings that we come up with will be realistic, feasible, affordable, and will contribute significantly to sorting out the problems that exist. The final report with recommendations will be handed down next year. And overseas, Denmark will send 19 F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine with the first group of planes set to arrive in the new year. After months of pleas from Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky for F-16s to bolster the Ukrainian Air Force, the U.S. recently gave approval for the Netherlands and Denmark to provide Ukraine the American-made fighter jets. The delegation from the West, West African Regional Bloc ECOWAS has met with the deposed president of Niger, Mohamed Bazoum. Led by the former Nigerian head of state, General Abdul Salami Abubakar, the meetings have joined the reconciliation efforts of Leonardo Santos Shimao, the UN Special Representative for West Africa and the Sahel. ECOWAS ordered the deployment of a standby force to restore constitutional rule in Niger on, on August 10. Firefighters have kept wildfires at bay near the capital of Canada's Northwest Territories and in British Columbia, although dry and windy weather is expected to continue. Milder weather has helped fire teams contain the flames during Canada's worst fire season on, season on record, which has destroyed homes and other buildings. And to sport, 
The Crow's controversial loss is being upheld as the AFL acknowledges a mistake. The league's chief executive, Gillon McLachlan, has admitted that Adelaide should have been awarded a late goal while confirming that their crucial one-point loss to Sydney will not be overturned. The controversy occurred after the goal umpire awarded a penalty behind instead of a goal to Ben Keys, which would have given Adelaide the lead with just over a minute to play in Saturday night's clash at Adelaide Oval. The referee signaled that the ball hit the post and didn't ask for a video review, which McLachlan said on Sunday he should have done. Adelaide says they will use the monumental error that sealed their fate in the AFL finals as motivation for next season. And now having a look at the weather around the country, Broome, sunny 32 degrees, Perth, partly cloudy 18, Adelaide, showers developing 19, Melbourne, possible shower 18, Hobart, partly cloudy 18, Albury, Wodonga, cloudy 15, Canberra, partly cloudy as well, 17 degrees, Wollongong, mostly sunny 21, Sydney, much the same 21, Newcastle, mostly sunny 23, Brisbane, partly cloudy 25, Townsville, much the same 26, Cairns, partly cloudy 27, Springs sunny 26, Darwin much the same 33 degrees and the Torres Strait Islands a sunny day ahead and a top of 28 degrees and that is NITV Radio News. TV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. I'm Patron Tungandami and you're listening to NITV Radio coming to you from NAM on the Cooling Nation this Monday afternoon. Coming up next, we have a conversation with uh, Frances Rings, Artistic Director of Bangard Dance Theatre. Frances will be reflecting on uh, Yoldea, her inaugural work in her new role as Bangara Artistic Director, as the performance continues its journey across the country and prepares its much-anticipated arrival in NAM. Also in your program today, an interview of uh, Chris Griffiths, a performer and cultural advisor of Journey Down, an animated and vibrant celebration of dance song projections that's about to make an epic journey, 346,000 kilometer journey actually, across uh, WA. But first, Qantas and its commitment to the Yes campaign around the country. <laughs> Qantas is now showing its support from the scars with some of its planes bearing the Yes campaign logo. The No campaign is also broadening its message, targeting multicultural groups who could prove critical in the referendum vote. NITV's Cameron Goodley reports. The national carrier showed off its new fleet, taking the Yes campaign to new heights. I believe all Australians are for a fair go. And the national carrier is for a fair go. Three Qantas planes now display the Yes 23 logo. The government thankful for the support. Yes! It's a reminder that this is the destination, the journey of which began a long time ago. We're on the home stretch now. 
And that is the one where you put all the effort in. While this titan of corporate Australia reaffirmed its support of the Indigenous voice, both the yes and no campaigns have also been seeking approval elsewhere. They've been targeting migrant communities. The Yes campaign hosted a weekend gathering in multicultural Melbourne. Uh, We're going to continue to bring all Australians with us from all our different backgrounds, uh, from uh, wherever we come from. The event was backed by local community groups, eager to learn more of the detail about the fiercely debated advisory body. Multicultural communities and First Nations people share a shared values together that bind us together. And today is about working together hand in hand with our First Nations communities and our multicultural communities in Victoria and Australia to vote yes at the upcoming referendum. For the longest time on this issue there has been either confusion or curiosity. An event like today is supporting an opportunity and a platform to interrogate the questions, have some robust conversation and get to the get to the bottom of what the yes vote actually means. Meanwhile in Brisbane, the no campaign has been hitting the airwaves, hoping to make their case to Queensland's multicultural communities. So if this referendum is passed, it will change our constitution forever, even if it doesn't work. Jacinda and I have been conducting radio interviews on multicultural radio on 4EB because it's so important that our multicultural communities have an opportunity to hear both the yes case and the no case. The outspoken Shadow Indigenous Australians Minister and No Campaign spokeswoman is adamant the voice is a bad idea. This voice proposal is risky, it's divisive, it's unknown and of course it's permanent. Meanwhile, the No Campaign hasn't been alone in focusing on Queensland, with key Indigenous voice advocate Noel Pearson blitzing the state. At a forum in the Torres Strait last week, he issued this warning to the crowd. I want to tell you a no outcome will come at a great cost to the country. We and the country will pay a big cost if we lose this referendum. This is something that we might never have a go at again for a very, very long time. report was brought to us by NITV's Cameron Gulli. We must now step aside for a break and a song, and when we come back, we explore Pangara's latest production, Yuldea, as the performance continues its journey across the country, soon arriving in Nam on the Kulin Nation. NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook. I'm joined by Bangara Dance Theatre's Artistic Director, Frances Rings, to explore her journey with uh, the dance company in her first year as Artistic Director and, most importantly, explore Yuldea, her latest work that debuted at Sydney Opera House back in June and currently touring uh, the country. Welcome to NITV Radio again, uh, Frances. Oh, thank you, Bertrand. Thanks for having me. Your work, Yuldea debuted uh, back in June at the Opera House. Uh, yep, that's right. A lot of applause. And it's touring the country very soon, actually hitting Melbourne. How is uh, Yuldea travelling? It's been really great. We opened at the Opera House and then we took it to Nanawa Country in Canberra and then uh, just got back from Ghana Yurta down in Adelaide. We're about to go up to Mianjin. And then so looking forward to bringing it back to Nam. So, it's, yeah, it's doing its, its main stage tour. 
but look, the dancers are all fit and strong and been doing amazing performances. Great responses from audiences and community. And recently in Adelaide, we were able to bring a lot of community from Yalata and from the far west coast of South Australia. And that was a really important performance because, um, you know, they were the community who um, we consulted with to tell this work. Yeah, great to have, you know, my family from the far west coast as well be able to come and see the work and, you know, um, and share that with them. I think there was a lot of pride and, yeah, a lot of, it was a special performance to have them there. Yeah, yeah. so we have to actually remind our listeners that uh, Yolda is about, uh, uh, by creating this piece, you wanted to choreograph and create a piece that is inspired by your family's connection to country and uh, deeply ceremonial dance of uh, history and heritage. The story is it's a important story because for me personally, because it's connected to my family, not only through my mother's side, my mother was born very close to that area of Yildia. Um, she was born in a place called Fritinga Rock Hole, which is not, not far from there, but also my father worked on the railway, so... You know, that story intersects. Um, my grandmother frequented Yildia and um, met Daisy Bates out there. And But look, this is an important story about, you know, one of the most uh, important Aboriginal sites in Australia. Yildil Guppy is the traditional name for the site. It's a ancient water soak on the edge of the Nullarbor. It's situated on the traditional lands of the Gugutha people. Yeah, this water soak, it was the epicentre of a sophisticated and dynamic cultural life in trade, in ceremony, law, kinship, a site of permanent water, which is very rare out there in those arid areas, and uh, but also was a site that was impacted by the construction of the Transcontinental Railway Line, which was completed in 1917, and the two halves of the railway line were joined together at Uldia siding and uh, within 20 years of the railway line being completed, it had been exhausted of all water from, you know, an ancestral soak that had sustained cultural life for thousands of years. There's many historical events that uh, have impacted on the life of that important site, um, the railway line being one of them. Uh, there were... Um, missionaries and the workers, railway workers who lived out there who also impacted on the site and on the the landscape, cutting down, you know, the trees and stuff and um, you know, that affected the movement of the sand dunes and the frequent sandstorms that would come through there. Many missionaries that came through, Daisy Bates, as I mentioned before, but also you can't tell this important story without mentioning the impact of the atomic testing at Maralinga. And this was really the final kind of, you know, act of displacement that really impacted on Indigenous people and their ability to live out there. And, um, yeah, there was forced removal and displacement after that. And, um, yeah, tribes, families, communities were separated and displaced. It was a very traumatic time for the community and for the people. 
Most people would uh, celebrate the arrival of the railway as a uh, progress, development, and all these uh, mm-hmm. dreams of uh, modern life. But uh, the impact on the people, on the environment, is just uh, catastrophic. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, the industrialization of our nation, unifying um, our nation in federation, this was a, uh, an important part to that story, was that uh, for WA, Western Australia, to join the rest of the eastern states, it was promised a railway line. Um, and, you know, one construction camp started in Casualty in the west and the other in Port Augusta in South Australia, and they met at that site. You know, it's a story about progress, industrialization, one of our greatest engineering feats, but, you know, it came at a cost, and that cost was carried by Indigenous people, by the land, and by this, um, this important site that was so rich and, you know, like I said before, it was the epicenter. And still, the old people still carry the fragments of those memories of that place. Part of our role at Bangara is telling these stories and giving voice to elders and to communities that those stories aren't forgotten and that we put those stories in the public consciousness that we're aware, that the public are aware that's our role as truth tellers to be able to use our platform to do that, but the consequences of those actions are never forgotten. It centres those stories in the now and there's a sense of remembering those experiences, the light and the shadow of our experiences and um, being able to walk with our elders on their journey of healing when these stories are told and how we can support them in moving forward and growing. And, you know, it's been, it's been remarkable people saying, I, I never knew that this happened. I never knew of this site. And, um, I mean, we always hope that we learn about these things in school and you know, that those two stories to Australia is told and that the experiences of First Nations people um, is that side to the story and that perspective is told. But, you know, um, very rarely we have to search it out and, you know, it's, that's why it's important, um, you know, that Bangara and our role and we use our platform to be able to make sure that, um, that these stories are told and, you know, um, we give insight into that, but also we promote an understanding and and learn from those, you know, experiences. But, you yeah, know, yeah. There are impacts, and those impacts are still being felt today. Yeah, and the worst thing is these uh, stories are never told. People don't even know about Maralinga, let alone uh, Yuldea, the epicenter of uh, all these, uh-huh. uh, the, the convergence of so many colonial yeah. enterprises that are, triggered so much trauma and so much uh, devastation on uh, people and land. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, that's that's a travesty in itself that one of the most devastating events to happen on our soil and affected Indigenous people so deeply and traumatically that those events are not, people don't know about them. They're not told. Um, you have to search them out. That's just not good enough. And this is why it's so important that our stories um, are really uh, out there, that um, we um, use our position, whatever that be, um, and whatever um, opportunity uh, we have to be able to create change. And 
there is a weight and a responsibility in carrying this and in telling these stories, but it's also a responsibility for all Australians to be aware of this and to know the true history of our country, of colonisation, of settlement and encroachment, of decisions that were made, not with Indigenous people, um, but just done to them and impacted on them. They had no voice. They were faceless. They were nameless. And, you know, when we tell these stories, we never forget them. And we put their stories now in our public consciousness. And I think for young people, there's this sense of ensuring that those stories don't get forgotten, that they still keep being passed on. You know, for those communities out there that have been impacted and people and elders, there's also a sense of pride, even though these events have been devastating. They can't break family and kinship. They can't break people's connection to each other, to community and a community's connection to land. That's not forgotten. Those fragments of history that elders carry today, they'll never forget those events. And I think that's inspirational. You know, memory and story and history are all embedded together in this powerful experience. You know, for elders, that's important that, you know, the experiences that they have been through are acknowledged and um, and heard. It's an important part of us as a nation being able to truth tell and being able to move forward. Yeah, and uh, in uh, creating Yoldea, you partnered with actually uh, someone that we know very well in an ITV radio. Well, the group, the duo of Electric Fields, uh, with uh, the very powerful and beautiful voice of uh, Zachariah Fielding. Uh, are they touring with you or? I had a incredible creative team that I worked with in making this work and it was really important that um, we had Anangul representation in the, the sonic score of the work and I've been talking to them since 2019 about the possibility of doing something together. We didn't know what it was but when this work had been endorsed and we got permission to be able to tell it by the Yalata Aboriginal community and the Yalata Aboriginal board specifically. Then we engaged with cultural consultants, Maureen Mima Smart, and with Clem Laurie, Learning Man. And um, they really collaborated and guided us to be able to tell this story. We went on to country and Electric Fields came with us, Zachariah and Michael. We also had our other composer, Leon Rogers, who's a Waramai man. He came onto country with us and set designer and also um, costume designer, uh, set designed by Elizabeth Gadsby and costume designed by Jennifer Irwin. They both came onto country and we all went down to Aldea to Yalata and worked with community and community really um, shared with us story and took us to places and sites and we were able to do a lot of the research on country. And later on we were able to bring the dancers uh, there for also a cultural immersion and to hear story from elders and visit sites on country. And I think having that really deep um, experience with community helped us to really ground the work and shape it and ensure that those stories and that energy and that distinctiveness of that place and that story is really embedded in the work. 
Um, you know, working with Zachariah and Michael, you know, we know that they're legendary, that they're iconic, and um, they just did the most beautiful um, uh, piece for the opening and also collaborate, collaborated with Leon on the final piece called All Dear Spirit. When you hear their piece of music, it's contemporary, but it also transports you to somewhere else. There's an energy in there. There's, you know, language and there's just this representation of ancient and contemporary, but also done in a completely new, you know, in a new way. And I love that, you know, that they are always pushing the way that we create music and represent ourselves as Indigenous people. And I love that it's kind of, you know, you can't put it in a, in a box. It's its own thing, and they're so true to their own way of storytelling themselves. And we were able to collaborate, and and um, and that they're an important part of the Yildia story. Yeah. And now that uh, you are around Nam, what are the key dates for people in Nam and uh, surrounding cities? Because you're not and only in Nam, you'll also go to regional centres like Bendigo. I encourage listeners to go to our Bangara website. We've got all the dates on there. You know, we've got, we're still to do Mianjin. We're going there next. And then we'll be in Nam and then to Bendigo. You know, it's just going to look sensational in the Playhouse at the Art Centre. We've got a community night. We've also got a school show there on matinee performances. We're all looking forward to bringing it here. I think it was like 1994. Um, that I first came here and, you know, it's so special to have that long relationship with the Art Centre and um, that tradition of bringing Bangara stories here to Nam and um, that engagement with community and uh, just look forward to coming back and bringing a new generation of young performers here and bringing this really special story of your dear here to be, um, to be shared. Francis Rings, Artistic Director, Bangara Dance Theatre. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio today. Thank you. Great to chat. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Now, if you missed uh, the conversation with Francis Rings at the beginning of this conversation or you want to listen to the entire conversation altogether, it's published on our website, sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. Time for another break, but stay with us because when we come back, we have a conversation with uh, Chris Griffiths, cultural advisor on Journey Down, a 3,446-kilometer epic journey across WA, featuring a cultural object built from a wrecked car. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Chris Griffiths, you're a performer and cultural advisor on uh, The Journey Down, a cultural and musical performance bringing together Indigenous and non-Indigenous performers and artists. First, welcome to NITV Radio and uh, can you tell us about your participation in uh, this uh, groundbreaking uh, project, I was just asked if I could um, mix our indigenous music with contemporary music because of the project relating to the little wreck. And because where I come from, we come from Warm and Turkey Creek, and us Murung people have a close connection to them, so they offered us to go on a journey with them. 
with a with a song that might make us feel good inside as we travel. The songs are they in English only or in language, language. as well? In language. language. These songs are are not from Mirror country. These songs were traded to us a long time ago from Mob and Port Keith and we have a close relationship with them in cultural terms. So they traded these songs to us a long time ago to our old people. So now old people left us and gone and now young people gotta pick up the sticks and carry on. So our culture does not fall and be abolished. So the best way is for us young people to put our feet in old people's shoes, I guess, and carry that knowledge on, you know. So it's a celebration of culture and language at the same time and also Absolutely. passing knowledge from older generation to uh, the younger generations and the emerging leaders. Absolutely. And uh, this project has been a long time coming. What are the challenges you might have encountered uh, along the way? The challenges is uh, just trying to communicate, I guess, with the people who are rightfully owners of the vehicle, who are the Gijemo, um, is just making sure you know how you communicate and how you get, con- get in contact with especially old people, you know. You can't just go there, talk, talk, how you think, you know, how you're speaking to people. Sometimes you need to take time and how you speak and present the story of what we need, what what the outcome would, would look like. Yeah. And uh, what lessons yeah. uh, can be learned from uh, working with the different communities and sharing their country, I mean, their culture and language? Well, it, it's pretty much we already in connect already so there isn't any problem more but it's just making sure that we are all same on the right track yeah and, and understand what we are doing together as it can be learned is i guess if you put your mind and your heart into what you want to do you can achieve and if you need assistance put out your hand and ask for help to your neighboring tribe so you worked with uh, non-Indigenous and uh, Indigenous communities. What First Nations communities were involved all together? Well, there's woman community, but Karna is uh, it's like a township, and Murong people live in there. But we connect up with the Murong Agija people in our song lines. Yeah. So we keep in contact very closely all the time. Now, this project revolves around a red car that's transformed into a musical instrument. And uh, as I discussed earlier with uh, Tos Maoni, the creative director, it will include percussions and uh, string instruments, which are mainly Western instruments. What can you tell us about uh, First Nations instruments that are involved in this project? There's the clapsticks and the didgeridoo and dances, all painted up. Oh, now I got everything. What we're hoping to do, we, well, it's a bit of a, we're going to work it out now in the next week how the whole performance will, will turn out. But in our minds, I guess in mind, it's like we'll, we'll have our elders talking about their painting first and introducing the whole program and project. And as she finishes, that's when the, the traditional music comes in 
under her when she just finished. And then as as I sang my song, and when I finished, the contemporary music comes through. That's when the car composed and the musical instruments start playing. And so we can have a few old people telling their story yeah. about the paintings on the car. But every time they finish speaking, I'll be singing Quabbery. And I fade out and the contemporary music come in and so on. Yeah. And uh, what message uh, are you, can you share with us uh, about the songs you're singing? Because uh, you'll be telling that, a story in uh, the songs. Yeah, that, that song I'm singing is, is a song about a little short man that lived out in the bush. It's called Warangunda. And, and the song name is Wanga. This little short man, he, he, he not only in one place, he ride through the Kindleys. But they all got different names for different area of different language group. But where the song come from, he named Waranganda, Wanga. That little short man, he live in the bush. Anytime you go to that place and you run the muck, making a big noise when you visit her, He'll appear to you and give you a hell of a fright. he give you a warning to behave. So that's the one. Yeah, to behave and respect the Your country, country and country. And the people and the culture. Yeah, you just don't that's walk. It, you just don't walk on people's country like that. You have to be aware of your surroundings and the people around who are <laughs> the rightful owners. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a powerful story to share. And now, yeah. will there be any books or anything written about it to share as well? Look, because this is a... That, 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 that question is for Toss to answer. I can't answer that one. Yeah. I'm just a performer in this game, bro. Yeah, because no, this is a very powerful story. It can't just be in music. I think if it's told through books and uh, <laughs> this will reach even a bigger audience. Yeah, I think it will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Chris, before I let you go, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, I, well, this is going to be one of the first ever trip, I guess, not only for me, for most of the indigenous people who will be on this journey to Perth, a road trip to Perth, and not only just a road trip, but performing on the way from here right to Perth, it's going to be an eye-opener, and it's it, it sort of a, a way of working together, you know? Yeah. A, a, a big collaboration of music, a non-Indigenous and Indigenous. Chris Griffiths, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio today. No worries. Thank you very much. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV Radio. That's all we have uh, for you for you this uh, Monday afternoon. NITV Radio will be back on uh, Wednesday and uh, Friday, and your host will be Loana Grant. I'm Bertrand Tungandami, thanking you for being with us uh, this uh, Monday afternoon. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu. Yeah,